And if you have your scriptures with you, your Bible, uh, whether you have a physical form or a digital form, uh, make your way to Matthew chapter 6. We are walking through the Lord's Prayer. It's been uh, mentioned already this morning and, and uh, just kind of unpacking what Jesus taught when it comes to prayer. Uh, one thing that I, I pray for myself and for us as we walk through this, unpack this, is not to complicate prayer. And that can be an easy thing to do as we take almost line for line or sometimes word for word what is going on that Jesus is teaching here. But uh, we have to keep in mind that the Lord's Prayer right off the bat reminds us we're children. We're children of a Heavenly Father. That's why we have to call out to Him as our Abba, our Father, because the Spirit dwells inside of us. And the Bible also teaches us that we should come before the Father with a childlike faith. And one thing you got to love about children and their faith is anything is possible. And so we, we keep that. Jesus didn't teach us on prayer so we would walk out of here saying, you know, i got a master's on, on faith or a master's on prayer or a doctorate on faith or a doctorate on prayer. It, it, it is that we would have a childlike faith on prayer and we would come into his presence and, and, and speak with him and converse with him and listen to him through the action of prayer. Um, my, my hope and prayer of this is that we gain a deeper intimacy with the Father. This has changed my prayers in the last couple of weeks, and, and I hope it's been changing yours, and, and I hope it's been impacting you and been growing. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Theophan Recluse. He was a Russian theologian, and he captured the heart of prayer when he wrote, To pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and there to stand before the face of the Lord. And that's what we're hoping to capture as we come into prayers, to come face-to-face in intimacy with the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and to speak with Him and to hear from Him. If you have your scriptures, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 is what we're reading. And we're going to be focusing primarily this morning on verse 12, but we'll read it all together. This is known as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't title it that. You can also find it in the Gospel of Luke, but we've been using Matthew as our primary source. So read along with me in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 9. We'll pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us into temptation, and lead us not into temptation, (laughs) but deliver us from evil. We'll be focused on verse 12 this morning, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, debtors. And as we read that, I think it's easy to understand what Jesus is saying here, but if we really think about it, this is probably one of the most difficult parts of this prayer to actually apply. And so we're going to be walking through it and to understand what Jesus is teaching and understand how this is going to move us. Because I'm really excited about what this can do in our life this morning as we leave, leave this place eventually and apply what Jesus is teaching in the aspect of prayer. This will, if we can get this, it's not only going to impact our relationship with people, but it's going to impact our relationship with God. And it's going to impact our testimony and wherever we find ourselves this week or this afternoon or tomorrow. This is, this is huge. And what Jesus teaches us as far as how we're supposed to pray about being forgiven and forgiving others, and also huge on how it impacts every aspect of our life, personally even. And some of us may be here this morning, and this is exactly why we're here, because God has, a, has something He wants us to tell us that we need to just uh, get rid of. So we're going to ask some questions, okay? And we're going to walk through this. And the first question we have to ask when dealing with the act of forgiveness is, what is it? 
What is forgiveness? And I think a lot of people, when they come to defining what forgiveness is, is this misconception built upon the motto is that you forgive and you do what? You forget. Yeah, we, so you forgive and you forget. And that's what forgiveness is. But here's the thing. There's not a person in this room that can do that. There's not a person in this room that can forgive and forget. And so since many of us define forgiveness in that aspect, we feel that we live a life of failure when it comes to the act of forgiveness. And this is how this plays out. We say forgive and forget. But the reality is, is we are, we are corrupted by sinful nature. And by our sinful nature, Satan likes to tap into that. And so what happens in our life is we say, oh, I've forgiven that person. I've forgotten that thing. I've moved on. But as we go on in life, this is what happens. That person maybe comes back into our life. And we remember. Maybe you have to work with that individual. Maybe it's someone you've just put out of your life, but they come back in after several years and you remember what that person did, whether they stabbed you in the back, said something about you. Maybe they harmed you in some physical way or mental way. And so we remember that. And so we come to this conclusion, I must not have forgiven them because I can't forget that. And it's not even with that individual. There will be people that come into our life that they will have a tone of voice just a tone of voice that will remind us of an individual from our past that we're harboring some anger towards. They maybe even have a certain perspective on something in life, whether it be politics or church or religion or faith. And and when they bring out that perspective, it reminds us of that individual that we have some anger towards, that we have some bitterness towards, that we, we want them to get put in their place. Or maybe it's just a particular situation that arises and it reminds us of an individual and how we were hurt in that situation. And so when we have those things, it's, it's, we wrestle with, did I forgive that? Because I obviously didn't forget it. So I must not have moved on. So what is forgiveness? What is Jesus teaching us to pray about when he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors? We look in the Bible. Forgiveness has some forgetfulness intentions, but in our perspective and the way we live our life, that's impossible. We don't forget things, okay? And even if we think we forgot things, they they tend to come back up or Satan has a, a wonderful way of reminding us, right? Forgiveness in the Bible means to let go. It means to cancel something out. It is to leave whatever that is behind us. It's to release an individual in our life from any sort of punishment we may want to give or or bring to them. It's what we would say, we're going to pardon them. We're going to dismiss them. We're going to abandon whatever that situation was, whatever that that, that conversation was. We're going to abandon that. We're not going to have anything to do. We're going to release it from our control. And anything that we could do, we're going to make no account. When we come into that individual's presence again, when we come into another individual, may remind us of that person. We're going to make no account of that. We're going to accept that person that hurt us, that we're mad at. We're going to accept them on a level ground of grace. That's forgiveness. And so when it comes to forgiveness, we, we can turn to good old Frozen and, and Elsa and we can say, let it go. But forgiveness means I am no longer going to hold an individual accountable to something in the past. I'm going to just let it stay there in the past. And we look at the 
evidence of forgiveness and how God demonstrated forgiveness through Jesus Christ. When, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come before a holy God, a, a, our Father, which we've been talking about, who's hallowed, who, who knows all of our sins, who has full right to keep us accountable for all of our sins. But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord Savior, we place our faith in His death and His resurrection. The Bible says that all of those sins, all the things that we're accountable before a holy God have been wiped away. They've been separated from us. There's a word in the Bible that we hold today in, in, in a very uh, connotative, bad definition, but in the Bible it has this beautiful image, and that word is divorce. In the Bible, the word divorce is synonymous with the word forgive. Because the word divorce, what it means is two things become one. So or one thing becomes two. So, so two, one individual or two individuals who are one in the eyes of God in marriage become two things through divorce. And in forgiveness, when I receive forgiveness, what has happened is I am one with sin. I am tied to sin and the wages and the cost of sin before holy God. But when I find forgiveness in Jesus Christ for my sin, God takes my sin and he makes them into two. He separates them completely. I'm no longer connected to that. God divorces me from my sinful nature. He divorces me from the wages and the cost of my sin. He divorces me from my identity in sin. And now what God does, since he's divorced me from that identity, he clothes me in the righteousness of Christ. That's forgiveness. And so when it comes to our ability to give forgiveness, what we have to do is we have to understand we're going to separate that individual. We're going to separate that event in our mind and we're not going to hold them accountable to it. That's us forgiving. We're going to dismiss it. We're going to no longer make an account of it. We're going to accept that individual. We're going to accept that group of people. We're going to accept that situation on a level playing field. That's forgiveness. So I say, Lord, forgive my debts as I have also forgiven those. Well, we always want to make a rebuttal. But God, right, what if they do it again? What, what if they do it again? What if they hurt me again? Well, according to the Bible, we're not going to like this one bit because I don't. God says, so what? So what? And the perspective we have to put it in is how many times since we've come to faith in Jesus Christ and asked for forgiveness of our sins, have we committed to sin before a holy God? And yet time and time again, we come before him and say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. And what do we expect God to do in that moment? Forgive us. And God says through his word, that is what you are to be as my children. You are to amplify my grace and my mercy, my forgiving heart. So when you get hurt, what you have to do is you have to get over your pride, get over yourself and forgive it. Because here's the thing that comes about forgiveness. We can hang on to it. We can hold on to that grudge. We can hold on to that anger. We can hold on to that bitterness. But what the reality is, is we aren't holding on to anything. It is holding on to us. And it is holding and keeping us for where God wants us to be and how God wants us to use it because we won't let it go. 
And there have been numerous churches that have fallen apart because of an unforgiving heart. There have been marriages and families that have fallen apart because of an unforgiving heart. They just won't let it go. They won't forgive it. And, and some of it's because they feel like they can't forget it. But that's not, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm just going to separate these things. I'm going to see you in a different light. I'm going to forgive this. Why do we need forgiveness? Why do we need to come before our Father and say, Father, forgive me my debts? Well, the Bible's pretty clear about this, and most of us know the answer. For all of us have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fall short of the glory of God. When we come before our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your holiness, your, your, your glory, your, your, your complete separation from all that I am. That's who I'm talking to. And I have fallen short. I have missed the mark of God's holiness, of His glory. All of us have done that. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, because all of us have sinned, all of us fall short of his glory, and we all have, have the wages of sin upon us, which is death. It's a separation from the God of the living. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so why do we need forgiveness? Because I'm sinned. I have something that I have to be held accountable to when it comes to God. When this life is over, I have things that I'm going to be held accountable to when it comes to God. And the first thing is going to be my sin and the things I do in this life. So I need forgiveness. The Bible says we have all like we have all become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Romans chapter three, verse 10 says no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is what is known as the depravity of man. It's our sinfulness that we have, that we continue to wrestle with sin. It's what Paul writes about all the things I, I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And it's that sinful nature inside of me. We all wrestle with every single day. And so why we need forgiveness is because God is fully aware of all of our sin in this place that is collected together and we come before him and we worship him and we call him holy and that he's our cornerstone and he's our foundation. And the reality is, is, is a lot of times we need to come before God and say, God, I need forgiveness because I don't belong here. I'm unworthy. I am a person of unclean lips. And you are holy. I need your forgiveness because just this morning I got mad. Just this morning I made it about me. Just this morning, I, I, I harbored anger and bitterness towards an individual. Just this morning, I used your name in vain. Just this morning, I had an ungodly thought come into my head. Just this morning, I saw an ungodly image and my mind started going places. And yet here I usher myself into your presence like I deserve to be. Lord, I don't. I need your forgiveness. I don't deserve to be here. Jerry Bridges, who writes a lot of books on grace, says the beauty of, of this is God knows we're all corrupted by sin. But God grants us forgiveness regardless of our performance. And that's the grace of God. And every day, every breath we take, every, every time we go to work, we're always dependent on God's grace. And God's forgiveness and grace are brought by God himself, which includes total deliverance from the power of sin and complete restoration to the fellowship with God 
And this takes place in Christ as God's own free act. That's the gift. God didn't have to do this in the sacrifice of his son. So the Bible comes and lets us know that when it comes when we say, God, forgive me, that this is a gift, just like grace is a gift. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So my asking God for forgiveness is not because I deserve God's forgiveness or I've been good enough to have God's forgiveness. It's because God gifts me forgiveness. He gifts me grace. He allows me to continue in this relationship with Him. He is always going to be holy. He is always going to sit on His throne. And He is always going to reveal His mercy. This is why we call it the gospel. Because it's good news. That when I ask God for forgiveness by my faith in Jesus Christ, what does God do? Grants it freely. He gifts it we got to really grab this. I've got to grab this because this is what I believe keeps most believers from living the abundant life and living the life of joy that the Word of God promises. It's because we, we still feel like at times we've got to prove ourselves to God. But God says, no. I, I, God, dismiss all of your sin from you. I have separated all of your sin from you. I no longer see you in that. So no matter what dark secret, no matter what thing we got stashed in the closet, no matter what we don't want anybody else to know in this world, God knows it all. And he says, I don't see that. All I see is my son, Jesus Christ, and you're covered by him. I see his righteousness upon you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It wasn't even... Your plan. It wasn't my plan. This was God's plan. So now I come before God knowing that I'm a a sinner saved by grace and it is a gift and he forgives me and I don't deserve this and it should lead me to this place of worship and a place of prayer that I am completely in awe of you. Forgive me. Oh, yeah, you have. And I'm completely in awe of you. The danger that we have with this, and Paul had to deal with this as well when he was writing to believers, is is the danger believers can have when they know that they're completely forgiven is, okay, so now, now what? Now that I'm forgiven, what am I supposed to do with it? So a lot of believers, what we end up doing is we start saying, okay, now that I'm completely forgiven, I'm completely dismissed of my sin and separated from my sin, now I can continue to live in sin. Now I can continue to live that life that I know I shouldn't live. I can continue to do those thoughts and actions I I know I shouldn't be doing. I love how Scotty Smith captures in this book. It's called The Reign of Grace. He says, God, he loves us exactly the way we are today. So all that stuff that Satan tries to bring in your life, that tries to make you feel lower than dirt and oh, I'm the worst believer ever, I'm the worst Christian ever, or, you know, whatever Satan tries to do to attack you. He says, God loves us exactly the way we are today, but 
He loves us too much to leave us as we are and where we are. And this is what the reality, when we understand God's forgiveness, this is what God wants forgiveness to do to us, is that God forgave us, but he loves us too much to leave us in that sin, so he dismisses it from us. And he loves us too much to leave us in that situation and where we are, and he wants to move us past that to this place of salvation and what the Bible calls sanctification of him now setting us apart But to understand this, we have to understand it is God who forgives us, not based on any merit that we bring before him, but simply because God is for you, he loves you, and he wants to have you as his child in heaven forever. And because he is so overwhelmed by you, he forgives all of your mess, all of my mess. And he did this. But Jesus Christ, he now places me and you on level ground with Jesus. Why would a God do that? He knows all the things I wrestle with and now he looks at me as if I was his perfect son. That's what it means when I say, God, forgive me. God says, Ari Duke is all I see is my son in you. All I see is my spirit in you. You're completely righteous. Completely. Oh, man. We understand it's God that forgives us and completely wiped our, our sin away. There should be nothing in us that should desire to live in sin. I'm not saying we, we're not going to wrestle with it. Lord knows I do. Lord knows I fall to temptation. I have moments of weakness. He knows that. He knows that about us. But the beauty of God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness is in the midst of those things where I know I shouldn't do it. God's spirit's right there. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be watching this. You shouldn't be in this conversation. You shouldn't be talking like that. So I may stumble. I may fall into a sinful act. I may do the things I know I shouldn't do, but in the midst of it, God's Spirit inside me is correcting me and disciplining me and convicting me in that moment. And in that moment, I did to make a choice. I'm going to listen or I'm going to continue to go down that line. All of us in this room, there is not a perfect human being in this room. I think we've got to come to this understanding before, you know, we've got to understand our, our, our ground of sinfulness before we can understand God leveling the ground. All of us in here at one point in time have, has coveted. If you don't know what coveting is, coveting is basically looking at what someone else has and say, I want that. It can be as silly as a sandwich. 
It could be a car, it could be a TV, it could be a gun, it could be a boat, it could be a vacation somebody's on, it could be a wardrobe, it could be a look, it could be a muscle. I mean, we could look at somebody and say, wow, I want that. Whoa, I've got to have that. And the Bible says in the midst of that, when I say I want, I want what someone else has, I've coveted. The Bible defines coveting sin. And the reason that is because I'm looking at what someone else has, and in my heart, my sinful heart, I'm saying I deserve that. So why don't I have that? And I've coveted. Anybody in here ever got angry with another individual ever in your life? If you haven't, just get on the interstate today, highway, go to the grocery store, and try to get out in about five minutes. You get cut off when you get into the checkout line. Someone, you've got like two items. They obviously have 50, and you could get out a lot quicker. They were, they knew Jesus. They would let me go first, right? That, that individual that cut you off in traffic as you're driving, and then they have the audacity to drive slower. That jerk, where they learn how to drive? It's probably a woman. I mean, oh, but we have those thoughts in our head and they come through and we get angry. Well, here's what the Bible says very clearly. When you have anger in your heart towards any individual for any reason, you are just as guilty as committing murder. I've sinned. Guys, we're, we're probably more guilty of this than ladies, but ladies are just as guilty. Whoa. Check her out. Sometimes we don't even have another guy with us. Maybe we just we take a double look. Maybe it's something on TV, something on the computer that we're just scrolling through Facebook, and then all of a sudden you scroll back up to a picture just to make sure you saw it right, and then you scroll on down. That's what the Bible calls lust. That's what Jesus defined as adultery. We have lust in our heart. We've committed adultery. Guilty of sin. The Bible says that if we've ever cheated, we ever said something was our work when it wasn't, that's a lie. Guys, we're, we're guilty of this too. Ever did ask by your, your significant other, does this make me look fat? What's the answer, gentlemen? Right? Mm -hmm. White lies are lies. Guilty. Guilty. Ever looked at somebody when you're driving through Springfield or a town and you look at them and you automatically make a judgment or assessment of who that individual is based upon how they're dressed or some activity that they're involved in? Well, they obviously don't know Jesus. They probably really don't need the money. That's judging. When I cast judgment upon individuals, guess what, how the Bible defines that? Sin. I bring this up because the reality is we are all sinners before a holy God. And that's our ground. But God in His grace and His mercy separated us from our sin and put us on the ground of Jesus Christ. That's faith. 
That's where our faith, that's our cornerstone that we just sing about. That's why we lift him up and praise him through song. That's why we focus on him every single week. And so that brings us to, once we can understand the depravity of our sin, we can understand what Jesus is teaching us in the midst of our prayer and how we should therefore respond to the greatness of God's forgiveness. It's not so I can continue to sin. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. That, that phrase, by no means, means that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But instead, we who died to sin, how can we who died to sin still live in it? I'm forgiven by God, so I would no longer live in sin, even though I may wrestle with sin, but God has made me a new creation in Christ. That old has completely gone away. He's completely wiped that out. He's completely made me new. He's completely made me saved and righteous. And so now, how do I respond to the greatness of God? And I think a lot of us respond like how Calvin did when his friend Susie made him mad. If you're familiar with the cartoon strip Calvin and Hobbes, where had the little boy and his stuffed animal Hobbes, the tiger, and they would go on these all imaginative adventures. Well, one particular comic strip, Calvin comes before Hobbes and he says, I feel bad because I called Susie a name and I know I hurt her feelings and I'm really sorry I did that. Now he's telling his stuffed animal Hobbes this. And so Hobbes responds, well, maybe you should go and apologize to her. To which Calvin thinks about that for a moment and then responds, I keep hoping there's a less obvious solution. And I think that's how we feel when it comes to forgiveness. And this aspect of prayer is that we want God to freely and continue to give us forgiveness. But when it comes to that second part, Jesus God, forgive us, forgive me my debts before you, which is blah. But Lord, how would I pray? God, forgive me as, as I, as I demonstrate forgiveness upon others. God, the way I forgive other people, that's how much I want you to forgive me. The way I forgive someone, that's how I want you to treat me. That's what Jesus is teaching when it comes to us asking forgiveness from a holy God. We as adulterers and coveters and judgers and liars and cheaters and murderers. God, why don't you just forgive me like I forgive people in my life? Why don't you just wipe my disgusting parts out just like I wipe their stuff out? Whoa, that, that raises the bar. See, how I should respond to forgiveness, and this is huge, and, and, and we'll see how, here in a second, how, how his disciples understood it. The way I respond to God's forgiveness is God has now promoted me to be a forgiver. Once I receive God's grace, once I receive God's mercy, once I receive his complete forgiveness, God has now made me a new creation and he has promoted me now to be a revealer of his forgiving heart. So I'm praying, God, forgive me as I have forgiven, but I'm also praying, God, that you give me the power to forgive some people that I'm really having struggle forgiving. 
because I want them to see you and me. See, this is why forgiveness is huge to our testimony. Because when we harbor anger and bitterness, and we hold somebody to a level of accountability we pray God would not hold us to, we don't shine Jesus. We don't shine God's mercy and God's grace. Now, that doesn't mean God is telling you and me as his people to be pushovers either. The Bible is very clear on the level of accountability upon believers. And I, I see Peter wrestling with this. You know, if you read through the Gospels, which I really encourage you to do so, if you read through the Gospels, you find that Jesus teaches a lot on forgiveness. Matter of fact, right here at the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What we see here, and I don't think we like to hear this, is that God's forgiveness comes with conditions. Yes, it's grace. Yes, it's free. Yes, we can't earn it. Yes, we can't work for it. But when I accept God's forgiveness, the understanding is that I'm going to be a giver of God's forgiveness. And so forgive me as I forgive others. Lord, let me forgive their trespasses because I want you to forgive my trespasses. Wesley O'Donnell, or Douglas O'Donnell writes about John Wesley's approached by a very hard-hearted and unbending-natured man. And I know we've never come across any of those individuals. Well, he comes up to John Wesley, the great theologian, and he says to, to this individual, says, I will never forgive people. To which John Wesley looks at this individual and says, then I hope, sir, you never sin. Because that's what the Bible teaches that when I have an unforgiving heart, I am not holding something against somebody, but I am allowing God to hold my sin against me. Whew. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. So Peter understood this. You know, Peter who never messed up, you know, St. Peter, he understood this. He understood this idea of, of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so he comes to Jesus one day in Matthew chapter 18. You can read of this account. And he comes to Jesus and he says, okay, Lord, teacher, rabbi, you know, son of God in the flesh. You know, this is awesome. You know how you're forgiving people. You're allowing prostitutes to come in and, and you're forgiving them. You're drawing lines in the dirt and, and you know, they're, they're dropping rocks and you're forgiving the adulterers. And, you know, you invited Matthew in. And he was a tax collector and you forgave him. That's so awesome. I love what you're doing here. Love the concept. Love the idea, this paraphrase, of course. But um, so he comes to Jesus and he says, okay, teacher, how often when my brother sins against, sins against me, how often do I need to continue to forgive him? Is it seven? Now, in Matthew 18, what Peter does is Peter, we can overread this, but Peter understands what Jesus is teaching about forgiveness, how Jesus teaches us here in the Lord's Prayer about forgiveness. Peter understands it completely. See, in Peter, his day, the custom was that you forgive an individual three times. You know, three strikes, you're out. 
That was the custom in Jewish tradition. So what Peter does, understanding the generosity and the grace of God, he understands it's not three, so it's got to be more than three. So I'll double three, that gives me six. But since six is not really a holy number in the Jewish world, it must be seven, because seven's complete and perfect like God is, and so it must be seven. So Jesus, if my brother keeps sinning against me and keeps trespassing against me, how many times do I forgive that individual? It's seven, right? So Peter raises the bar. He gives grace, right? Goes above and beyond what is expected of him. So Jesus looks at Peter because Peter's understanding this act of forgiveness. And, and Jesus says in, in verse 22, says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And there's really rough translation there in the Greek because it's either 77 times or 70 times seven. And whether Jesus was a mathematician in this moment, we, we don't know because the Greek is kind of hard to, to put together when, when Jesus... So it's either 77 times or 70 times 7, which would be 490. We're, seeing, we're assuming that God's a God of grace, so we'll just give the 490. But here's the problem. If, if I upset Jamie, which I have... No, amen. Okay, if I upset Jamie... Um, and I ask for forgiveness, and she gives me forgiveness. But what she does is she, in the back of her closet, she goes back in there, and she has a sheet of paper, and she checks off, there's another forgiveness I've given Mike. And she is tallying them up where she gets to 490, and she gets to that point where she says, all right, one more time, and I don't have to do it anymore. The problem that's going on, and Jesus is not giving us a number, he's letting us know that forgiveness is limitless. Because if I'm keeping tally of how many times you've made me upset, or, I, or you've, you've, I've made you upset, and you're tallying that up, okay, he's almost to that threshold, well, I don't have to do it anymore. The reality is I have not forgiven at all. And so what Jesus tells Peter, who's, Understanding forgiveness is just abundance. It's limitless. You just keep forgiving. Because in reality, that's what you want God to do for you. You want God to continue to forgive you. So what you do to have a heart of God, to love God and love people, is you just keep forgiving. I'm just going to keep dishing it out. So Jesus tells us to preach or to pray on this because back to where we started. This is impossible for us to do. Because deep down inside, we want people to get what's coming to them. We want people to be put in their place. We want someone to prove them wrong. And is anybody willing to admit when someone's made you mad and, and they they were brought into light that they were wrong. You... Never, right? We... Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness is I'm just going to, I'm not going to allow that to weigh me down. Because it takes a much bigger person to let it go then hold on to it. So you may be here this morning, you may just be mad. It's not the message I wanted to hear today. 
you know what you got to do. You know you just got to let that go, and, and you've got to come before the Father, and you've got to ask forgiveness because you've been hanging on to that. It may be with a family member, a co-worker, past person you worked with, a past employee. I'm just going to let this thing go. Because that's what I want God to do with my sin. I just want him to let it go. That's what brought me back to Jesus. Some of y'all have heard my testimony, but, you know, um, just I'll be real brief with it. Got into things I shouldn't do. Um, before I was, you know, out of, out of my parents' house, still a teenager, late teenager. Got caught, went home. Um, got caught by the police, by the way, not just got caught. Um, went home, told mom and dad, and my dad on the couch. I can, I can remember the night. Mom came down even though she wasn't invited, but dad was there. And in tears in my eyes, I confessed to my father all the stuff I had been doing, how I'd been playing church, how I'd been doing things I knew I shouldn't be doing. I'd been drinking and been in drugs and in relationships. And I mean, and at the end of my confession moment, this is what my father did. And I, I can't imagine how hard it was for him as I have kids of my own. But he, he looked at me. He made me look him in the eyes and he said, look, we love you and we forgive you. And in this house, we will not talk about this unless you bring it up. And they didn't. I was the only one who ever brought it up. When we come before Father, that our Father in heaven, that's that's forgiveness. God says, You're the one who brings this up. I've forgiven, I've wiped it clean. So that you can go wipe other people's stuff clean and share my love with them and my grace. Yes, you may be taken advantage of. Yes, it may happen. But at some point in time, somebody can say, why do you keep doing that? And God has just broken open a door where you can share because God has forgiven me so much, I can't not forgive them. You may be here this morning and what you need is God's forgiveness. You've been doing all the things you think you should do, but you know you haven't accepted Christ, and so you're still in your sin, as the Bible says. You're still lost. And God extends his gift. It comes to a point where I have to admit before God, I'm a sinner. I, I've gotten mad. I've coveted. I've had a lustful heart. I've used your name in vain, Lord. I've stubbed my toe and said, Jesus Christ, but it wasn't like I was talking to you. Lord, I've sinned. But I believe you love me so much. You get, gave your son, Jesus, your only son, to die for my sin. And he did. And he rose again that I could be completely forgiven. The Bible says, when I confess that I believe that in my heart and I confess it with my mouth, I let it be known, I will be saved and I will be completely forgiven. God wipes my sin as far as the east is from the west, immeasurable, and he places me on a level ground. That may be where you are this morning and you need to accept Jesus Christ and ask Jackson to come on up and lead us. 
If that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to come down and say, hey, Pastor Mike, I, I, need, I need forgiveness. I need to be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and there's someone in your life that just gets to you, but the reality is they're only getting to you because you're just not letting it go. You need to come before the Father. God, give me the heart of grace that, that, that I need so I can just let this go because it is eating at me. Just admit it. It is eating at you. Your unforgiving heart, it's eating at you. Every time that situation comes, you get mad. It changes your whole attitude towards the people around you. It eats at you. It is killing and stealing your joy that God wants to give you. You need to come before the Father and say, God, I don't know how, but I need to, I need to let this go. Help me to forgive this person. But God is good. And he's called us this time to be not only hearers of his word, but doers. And that's why we come this time of invitation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. I want to thank you that you have forgiven us so much. And we'll never understand how deep and how wide your love is for us. Lord, I thank you that your word promised you have forgiven us completely. And now as we are found in your love and we are your children, that nothing can separate us from that. Forgive us for buying into the lies that Satan tries to feed us. Forgive us if we've been not willing to let some people be forgiven in our lives. praise you that you've forgiven us completely and Lord let us be a people let us be a church that shines that we are a church of grace we are a people of grace Father I ask you to forgive me you know every temptation I have fallen into and allowed to give birth to sin in my life this week forgiven for all that. You weren't surprised by it one day. Lord, if there's anyone in my life that I am not showing your love and your grace and your forgiveness to, Lord, reveal that to me in this moment. I thank you for this day and I thank you for this word and what your spirit's doing in all of our lives right here, right now. This be a time we give you glory through our, our act of worship. Praise in your son's name. Let's stand as we sing. I invite you to come.